everyone, and welcome to another episode of Eyes on Earth. Our podcast focuses on our ever-changing planet and on the people at Eros and across the globe who use remote sensing to monitor the health of Earth. My name is Jane Lawson, and I'll be hosting today's episode, where we're continuing to talk with Landsat 5 Flight Manager Steve Covington and also Jeff Devine, the Lead Operations Engineer for the mission. Landsat 5 set a Guinness World Record for longest operating Earth observation satellite. And in October, its flight operations team won the 2020 Group PCORA Award during the 22nd William T. PCORA Memorial Remote Sensing Symposium. In the episode part one, Steve and Jeff described the significance of Landsat 5, which contributed to the 50-year-old Landsat archive for nearly 29 years, from 1984 to 2013. In this episode, they describe the roller coaster challenges of keeping a spacecraft with a three-year life design going nearly 10 times as long, and how it felt to end a mission that had turned the flight team into a family. The moment of my biggest worry, and I think Steve and I, Steve, you and I looked into each other's eyes when this happened and thought it was the end. The closest that mission ever came to being lost. That started actually at 4 o'clock in the morning, uh, or 3.30 or so, when I got a call from Jeff, and turns out that was because the spacecraft was in, in a tumble. And, uh, and so it was the middle of the night. We came in, spent all day working on it, and, and you have to understand the, the spacecraft can't independently find the Earth. It can't. If it's tumbling, stopping the tumbling is one thing, but having it find the Earth is another. And that was an all-day effort, and we were having trouble finding the Earth again and getting the solar array onto the sun. And we weren't on the sun yet when we were going to shadow with a 22, degree, 22 volts on the battery. And I was sure we were not coming out of that, that, that eclipse. The battery uh, uh, had a cell short. We went into a tumble. We entered the dark part of the orbit at 22 volts, which was 10 volts lower than it should have been, at the lowest ever. Going into this dark period where you know it's going to drop another five or six volts and knowing that at about 18 volts, the whole spacecraft will shut down and we'll probably never see it again. Jeff and I looked at each other, knew we were in big trouble. So we split the team and half of them kept on working on the pointing issue of, okay, how do we get control of the, you know, how do we refine the earth and reacquire the sun for the solar array? And secondly, the second half of the group was working on, okay, if we come out of eclipse, and everything is rebooting because now we're coming into the sun again and, and everything's shut down because of low voltage. And when the sun comes back on, the voltage comes on the array and things will start rebooting up. What does that look like? Because that hasn't happened since 1984. <laughs> and so nobody on the team had ever experienced that. But we had, so we had to prepare for that. And we had all of 33 minutes to do that. Uh, and then we came back into the sun, uh, you know, out of eclipse. There was a little sliver of uh, light on the array, and the systems had not rebooted. And so in that next portion of the orbit, during the sun, we were able to reacquire the sun and save the mission. And that was a roller coaster ride. I'll just say this is one of the special things about Landsat 5. There are there at that time and certainly today, there are no missions where you would get to experience that level of adrenaline rush because you, the systems today are much more robust in terms of the logic and the systems on board. This 1970s mission didn't have a lot of that, and so it was all diving catches. And the phrase I came up with after that night was, any anomaly you walk away from is a good one, and it usually leads to really good stories, and, and this actually is one of the better ones. <laughs> 
Yeah, it was the craziest anomaly of my career, no question about it. So that was obviously a big challenge in Landsat 5's life. Do you want to describe any other challenges or big worries that you had while you were on the team? Where do we start? <laughs> it was almost a daily basis. Uh, by the time I started on the team, we were on all the redundant sides of all the components, and even they were ailing as well. From the beginning, the biggest worry was the continual degradation of the redundant tweeter, which the primary had failed already. And what is the tweeter? A tweeter is a uh, part of the transmission system that sends the imagery down. So if there's no tweeter, you have no images. And if you have no images, there's no need for the mission anymore. Uh, beyond that, the batteries. Uh, when I came on, we had three batteries, but only uh, but one of them had failed completely. And then we had a second one that ultimately ended up two cells short, which really uh, basically made it impossible to fully recharge the batteries on every orbit. Uh, then the gyros also began to fail. So you got no power, you have no images. You have no stability, you have no power. You have no images, you have no mission. Hey, Jeff, but other than that, it worked great, right? Yeah. <laughs> For the FOT, the final challenge was there was no simulation capability whatsoever for Landsat 5. Anything we wanted to test had to be tested on the spacecraft. We were inventing all kinds of new ways to operate this spacecraft, but the only place we could test if they would work was on the spacecraft. So every new configuration we implemented took us down an uncharted path. You want to talk about adrenaline rushes? That was probably the best. So I wanted to ask, how did it feel to end Landsat 5's mission? Jeff, do you want to start? Uh, yeah, it was the saddest moment of my civilian space satellite operation career. Uh, it continues to be so. It kind of felt like a combination of losing a beloved pet and experiencing a family breakup at the same time. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. You know, there's the, there's a couple things to understand here. First, you know, when you look at the team that was flying the mission, there was a silent, fast moving partner in that team. That was the, that was the satellite itself. It had a personality that we all knew, understood and worked with on a daily basis to keep happy and, not, and, 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 and keep things moving. But, I mean, it did have this personality. I mean, sometimes, some days we came in and we're pretty sure it was angry with us. <laughs> and it, it was not, it was going to be a petulant child, but it was a part of our lives for so long and, and so deeply. I mean, you spent long days uh, there just keeping the mission flying. And when there are anomalies, even longer days and nights keeping it going. And so it was a part of your your life and your existence. So, so there's that. The second part of it are all the team members around you. Uh, it, it was a family. It was a team. It was a family, uh, that we all knew each other. We, we, we knew when we were in bad moods <laughs> and, and, and worked so well together, uh, to solve these problems. Again, these are problems that no other satellites ever had because none have lived that long that are of that gener, of that ever, number one. And in that generation, the seventies technology, where so much of the mission was analog and needed ingenious ways to get around the problems that occurred. And we all worked as a team and with with cousins of our team, people like uh, uh, Sergio Hasebi and and uh, Dave Lorenz that would come in when we needed help. Uh, so great team members that would, you know, the extended family that would work this. And when the mission was ending, 
the family was breaking up. Now, we're, some people retired. Some people are still working on Landsat, uh, in you know, the new Landsats, and, and others are working on other missions like Jeff. Uh, so we see each other occasionally, uh, but it's not the same as it was. And so we all knew when the mission was ending, the family was going to go our separate ways. By the way, when we're talking about this group, we're talking about about 10, 12 people. It's not the team running this mission 24-7 you know, for years was very small, very lean, and uh, and it's in in what they were able to accomplish is is was truly amazing. What was your favorite part about being part of that family, that flight operations family? Well, for me, it's how tight we were. Uh, there was no turnover of personnel, and there was no real hierarchy either, other than merit. You know, ideas were like our currency, and we were all very wealthy with them throughout the mission. Uh, furthermore, nobody had to be instructed. Everybody intuitively knew what they needed to do. We were like a very tight musical group, each with our areas of expertise, always in sync and in tune with each other. You know, for six years, we pulled together with the same vision, sense of purpose, that we were going to keep this mission alive, whatever it took. And while it was very stressful at times, you know, shared stress can either act to pull a team apart or bring them together. And with Landsat 5, it was the latter. It's hard to believe that such extreme stress can be so fulfilling and really fun at times. I couldn't agree with more with what he just said. But I, I will say there was a little bit of a hierarchy because uh, Jeff was such an excellent leader of that engineering team. And uh, and we all looked up to him for the level of expertise and and the processes he went through in helping guide a lot guide us all through a lot of the uh the challenges that we had and and bob white the uh the fot manager for for honeywell just few good people all good people steve how did it feel to receive that pecora award on behalf of the team then Great, really great. Uh, yeah, as, as Joe was saying, you know, we were family and, and we, we had and still have this tremendous amount of respect for the skills and everything we all brought to the table. We all recognize that it took the team to be successful. If, if it was just me, just Jeff or just, you know, Melissa or anyone, it would not have gone off the way it did. It was a team effort. And as Jeff was saying, the, the, the stresses and the challenges brought the team together and made it more cohesive and more productive. So this team accomplished something that I think it would have been difficult for most to do. And there's certainly opportunities all along the way for the government, the USGS, to say, yeah, I think we've had enough here. You know, this is something we don't want to deal with anymore. But the team was able to always pull out the diving catch necessary to bring it back, make it productive, and and no one wants to to turn off a functional productive satellite and and this team worked hard to make that happen. I'd like to give credit to Steve here for being the best program manager I ever had. Uh, I've been in this business for almost 40 years. I've been on 13 different missions with every uh, space agency in this country and he was hands down my favorite program manager. He provided the guidance we needed to understand and achieve the USGS objectives on this mission, and he laid the foundation of support that allowed this team to achieve such innovative excellence. He's the glue that held us all together, providing a synergistic collaboration between the technical and managerial and between analyticals and actions. 
It was a privilege and a pleasure to work with him. He was the leader. His leadership was a primary reason why Landsat 5 mission was by far the most fulfilling mission of my career. Steve, anything you'd like to follow up with? Well, I'm glad this isn't video because my face is red right now. <laughs> and I mean that, Steve. I'm not buttering you up. You're not my boss anymore. <laughs> Jeff, thank you. Uh, wow. I don't even know where to go from there. Um, I, I mean, for me, it is the people. I mean, the spacecraft, the what it achieved was monumental, but it only got there because of the people. I consider it, working at Landsat 5 is a privilege. Working with the team that uh, that of, K, of Honeywell, now KBR, was a highlight of my career. Thank you so much, Steve and Jeff, for joining us for this episode of Eyes on Earth, where we talked about the significance of the Landsat 5 satellite. And thank you to the listeners. Check out our Eros Facebook and Twitter pages to watch for our newest episodes. You can also subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts and Google Podcasts. This podcast. This podcast. This podcast. This podcast. Is a product of the U.S. Geological Survey, Department of Interior.